Uh, We're kicking off a new series today. This is just going to be a short series over the month of November. I'm really excited for this series. Um, I've been feeling just a sense that many, many people are discouraged these days. And I just wanted to give a bit of a perspective today on uh, Scripture to encourage you. And I, I just find... Um, for myself, there was a whole season of my, my life as a, as a believer, as a Christian, where I really, um, and maybe you'll resonate with this, I don't know where you're at in your faith journey, wherever you're at, I feel like everyone goes through this funny phase of feeling like the Bible is a textbook and you always have a homework assignment and you never read it enough. Is that, is that just me at times? where it's like you see your Bible and you kind of think like, oh, I don't read that thing enough. Oh my gosh. People know verses like the chapter and the verse by memory. I'm just like, Romans what? Oh, remind me of that verse again. Can you just tell me that verse again? Like there's been a whole seat. And I understand that there's kind of an underlying guilt that might come along with the Bible. And and often, and this is um, just from a conversation that, I had with a few people a couple weeks ago, and I just asked, like, how, how are you doing in your, in your faith? Like, how's your, how's your faith right now? How's your walk with Jesus? And, and almost everyone's answer was kind of something along the lines of, like, ah, you know, I pray a bit, and ah, I should read my Bible more. I pray a bit, and I should read my Bible more. And it's like, ah, oh, man, this idea of the Bible being a task like something that you got to go and do. And it's like, there's your textbook. You got an assignment. You might even get quizzed, so you better go study. And it's like that idea of the Bible being this job that you have to go to. And I think we view it in that way. And even the language of like going to our Bible study or doing a, you know, a study with a group. And that's, that stuff's all good. We should study the Bible. We should understand context and, and all of the stuff that goes with what's in this book. But I think we read it more like a textbook than a love letter. And I just want to encourage you guys that, um, like, when I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit years ago, this was back when we were at Parkland, and it was during worship, and the band came up at the very end of the, of the service. It was during a series called When You Need a Miracle. And I'm going to probably be a little bit emotional today just because I'm a little sick and so I feel kind of weak and really tender. So just forgive me and give me grace today, you guys, please. Thank you. I love you. (laughs) Thank you online. Don't just like log off if you hear my voice shaky. It's I'm a little sick and God is good. Okay. So I'm in worship and and I felt this presence come over me that I never felt before. And it was like a weight that landed on me. It was a heavy weight. And at first, because I didn't know God, I didn't know him intimately and personally, I was actually afraid. I didn't know what it was. It was like I dropped to my chair. I was weeping and I had my hands cupped around my face and I was just crying and feeling this overwhelming sense of the love of God. And I was being convicted of all of my brokenness, all of the stuff that I was doing that I knew deep down was wrong, was just being challenged by the presence of God and just brought right in front of me. And yet I was feeling this presence of love that I had never felt before. It was something, and I remember the first two thoughts I had about it was, this is the point of life. This is the point. This is the whole reason we exist is to be loved by God. 
to be a reflection of that love through our life. This is the point of life. And the second thought was, I'm going to spend the rest of my life chasing after this. And now that was a beautiful experience. It was a moment that I cannot forget. I cannot back up. I cannot talk myself out of faith anymore. I've tried to like backslide myself because it almost seems easier to not follow Jesus. The cost sometimes feels really high. And I've done that before, but I can never back up past that experience. There's a moment that grounded me in faith. But that was an experience. That's a beautiful moment, but it doesn't carry you. And I, I, I was introduced to the presence of God through the Holy Spirit, but I began to be introduced to the character and the nature of God through the scripture. And it was a process of learning who he is. It's a relationship. And seeing it like a love letter, I want you to imagine for a moment um, this, this is a book of love letters, okay? And this, this, every single page is filled with God's thoughts about you and his plans and his ways and his purposes. And imagine this is on the, the living room table. And, and my, my wife, Joelle, she's a lovely, lovely uh, wife who has yet to write me a love letter. But I'm gonna, just for the sake of this, we're gonna, we're gonna run this example, Joelle writes me a book. Oh, not even one, but a whole book of them. And she puts it on the, on the kitchen table. Now imagine you walk in, and I, I see that book. And I, or I, let's, just, let's just say it's one, okay? Nice love letter. Wow. First thing in the morning, it's just sitting there on the table. And I'm like, there's a letter there. And I just kind of go like, ah, but I'm not much of a reader. Sorry, Joelle. Like for you, for you who are married in here, if she came back at the end of the day, tell me if this would be a bad scenario. Like, hey, what'd you think of my letter? And I go, I'm uh, sorry, I, I'm not really into le- letters. Bad, right? <laughs> bad news. Rick knows. He knows that would be a bad thing to do. Sorry, Joel. I'm just not. I, I'm just not much of a reader. Can you can you give it to me in audio form? Can you put it on an audio? But I'll just listen to it as I as I walk to the office. That's a, that would be a weird thing to do. That, that feels weird to even say. Like, Joelle, if you're watching, that, that, would, be, that would be weird. And imagining that she, she fills this letter with, with her thoughts about me, how much she loves me, the, how, the future that she's excited about with me, the, the plans that she has. And there's also some stuff in there like, oh, by the way, there's, there's a, you know, if you don't pay the hydro bill, they're going to shut off our power. Like, there's also, like, a, a warning in there. And there's also some, cur- like, general practical advice in there. And then it ends with, I can't wait to see you at the end of the day. I can't wait to come back and just see how your day was. And, like, imagine that. That would be lovely. And it's all in this letter, right? And it's just like, ah, yeah, I don't, I don't really read. Sorry, Joel. I think we kind of treat the Bible that way at times because we don't quite understand. And I, and I understand that there's a guilt with this topic of like, oh, I don't read, I don't study enough, I don't know enough, I don't have so many verses memorized. But I just want to like encourage you guys today that it's not about that stuff. It's about the relationship in there. We're not reading it to like dissect it and, and study it like it's a, a textbook and a subject. 
It's an invitation into a relationship. It's like God wants us to hear from him. Like that's the, that's the point of the words in this book. It's like Joelle would want me to understand her heart and hear from her through a letter. And that's the same picture. I want you to just imagine the scriptures as a love letter. And so it's not a, it's not a why, this isn't a sermon and a, a series about why you should read your Bible or how you should read your Bible. It's more of like, in light of that picture, why wouldn't you read it? Like, how could you not read it? It's not a like, why don't you read your Bible? Get it out and read it. It's not like that. It's like, why wouldn't you read it? It's a love letter inspired by the words of God through people to us. It's beautiful. His love is speaking. And I, so I just want to give a bit of like, just a bit of a context for the Bible. Like, what is the Bible? I, man, I had a conversation the other day um, with a guy who was like, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus. I just, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe in modern day miracles. And he started listing all the things he doesn't believe, but he believes in Jesus. And it was kind of this weird, like, I, I think it kind of comes with the package. Like, I think you follow Jesus and that <laughs> means you kind of engage with scripture and what he spoke and taught and lived and his, not just his teachings, but his lifestyle. That when Jesus says, like, he's the way and the truth and the life, like he's saying all truth revolves around me. Like my life, the way I act, the way I live, the way I speak to people, it's not just my teachings, it's my life that I lead that points us to what's true about our intended nature of who we are for flourishing and beauty and love and joy in this life. Jesus walks it out. He lives it out and he teaches it out. He always talks about the kingdom and it's this kingdom of his love and it changes people. So I just want to give you some facts about the Bible. Just I'm going to lay a bit of a foundation today and just hopefully that perspective is what stays in your mind as we, as we talk through this today. Um, so scripture was written over the course of 1,600 years, the Bible that we have today. And there's a lot of questions about it. Um, there's a lot of different types of language in it. There's a lot of authors. There's over 40 different authors that compose this book that we call the Bible. All, according to scripture, inspired by God. It's like actually translated like God breathed, that he breathed his love through these pages. And it, is, it consists of narrative. It consists of poetry. Like it consists of all this beautiful stuff, prophecy, which we gain sort of spiritual lessons and kind of the disposition of who God is at times towards his people. Sometimes it's like a, it's a, heartbroken father towards his children. Other times it's just like a, a person who is in love with his people. It is beautiful. There's the wisdom literature, which is kind of Old Testament, the Proverbs, the book of Job, the Ecclesiastes. Like this is, the, this is what's called wisdom literature. Lots of practical, ethical, kind of moral teaching for our life. There's the letters or the epistles, which is the the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or no, sorry. This is from the leaders of the church to churches. And just, it's kind of a, a form of narrative. It's kind of a form of uh, almost like biography, like telling them a little bit about who they are and sending it to the churches and engaging this conversation about the love of God. 
There's the Gospels, which is kind of the, the focal point of the Scriptures, is where we get our four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole Old Testament points to it. All of the epistles and letters and things afterwards are all about the Gospels, reflecting back to Jesus, who Jesus is, his teachings then lived out in his people. And it makes up this collection of, of letters inspired by God's love, that, that love that sees through our brokenness, that sees past our failures and sees our worth and sees who we truly are. That love inspired these words. And I don't believe if you, if you want to follow Jesus that you can disconnect that from him. And I've, I've been just hearing, the only reason I say that is I've been hearing that in people who aren't quite sure about, well, they say they're sure about faith. They say they believe in Jesus. They say they follow him, but they're like, I don't believe in, in the Bible. I don't believe in scripture. I don't believe in modern day miracles. I don't believe in like all the stuff Jesus said, basically. It's like, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe him. And there's this kind of underlying tone, and it's a weird tension point for for. Christians where it's kind of like there's a there's language around around Jesus where it's like yeah he was a good moral teacher but I don't really believe that he was even God like that's what he claimed which kind of contradicts itself does it not like if he's claiming to be a good teacher he he taught that he was God <laughs> he taught that forgiveness is only through him he taught about like big topics that are heavy to, to tackle. He taught about things like money. He taught about things like hell. He taught about things like forgiveness and sin and love and his mercy and his kingdom and how it's an open invite to anyone and that anyone who comes to him will not be turned away. It's an open invite. This letter is an open invite that is on our table every day, inviting us into a relationship with him. It's a beautiful invitation um, I believe that the Bible is the most loved book and hated book on the planet. Yes? No? I can't think of another one. I tried. I think the Bible is the most loved and hated book on the planet. It's the first book to be put to paper at the arrival of the printing press. A little bit of historical stuff. It's been printed in just about every known language. There's a few, I believe, that they're still trying to figure out how to get this thing printed into its language, but it's just about in every language. It continues to be the best-selling book year after year after year after year because it, it doesn't even land on like a list because it's just like the Bible would be at the top every single year. It's kind of crazy. There's museums dedicated specifically to preserving the body of evidence that backs up the scripture, the, the ancient manuscripts and all of the stuff that supports scripture. There's museums and buildings full of these things that are just dedicated to preserving this book. It's a crazy book. It's, it's actually wild. People swear on it. They swear on the Bible and they swear at the Bible. <laughs> right? Maybe you're one of those people that swears at the Bible. I'm glad you're here this, this morning. Hopefully we can, we can uh, work through some of that. I think the Bible has been sifted and studied and comment, commentated upon and dissected more than any book 
in history. And I, I understand there's a lot of questions with the Bible and its validity and its, and its truthfulness. And I think as a, as a Jesus follower, as a person who's exploring faith, you have to have a little bit of that healthy doubt in you, not the skeptic doubt thing where it's like the kind of pessimistic, cynical doubt, but the healthy skepticism about the Bible, which will drive you into a study of what does this all even mean? Can I trust it? Because I believe it holds up. I believe the body of evidence holds up for this book that we call the inspired word of God. I think that research is so valuable. And I went through a whole season of just trying to research and almost like trying to prove it wrong. Like, okay, I want to see what's true here. I want to dig a little bit. I want to like, I want to listen to people actually debate this thing and like listen in on people who have studied this their entire life and see what they have to say about it. Um, because really what it comes down to is as a Jesus follower, I, I don't just believe in the Bible, and I hope this is true with you, I don't believe in the Bible because of the Bible. Like, I believe in the Bible because of Jesus. Like, he almost, he quotes almost every single book of the Old Testament authoritatively. Jesus held to Scripture as true. Jesus believed scripture was true. He believed the Torah, the writings of Moses, the prophets, all of the things leading up to his arrival, who he is, was all pointing to him, and he validated it with his life. He didn't come to get rid of the law and the prophets and all of those teachings and stories that we find. He came to fulfill it, and in doing so, validates not only its message, but it actually points to his own authority and the authority of this word. Where he's like, this is all true. When he was asked questions, he would often say, what does it say? What was written? And he would point back to scripture. In, in other words, Jesus, God in the flesh is saying, I've already spoken, you guys. Like, what did, what did I say? Do you not know? And he'll point back to scripture all the time he did this. So how can we even trust the New Testament, the gospels? Because really it comes down to Jesus's teaching on it. That's, that's, the, that's the hinge for this whole thing, I believe, for scripture is that it really comes down to Jesus, you guys. If Jesus believed this to be true, we ought to do the same. If Jesus believed it to be the inspired word of God, then we should hold to that as well. And so, do you guys want a little more interesting evidence for the New Testament? The, all the teachers are like, yes. All the emotive heart people are like, just, just preach something. Just get fired up. We're going to go into a little bit of evidence today. Uh, Frank will bring the, the preach next week. Um, it's going to be awesome. Not going to want to miss it. Uh, so right now, I was just doing a bit of digging into this this week. Um, the earliest fragment of the New Testament manuscripts that actually, it's the Gospel of John. The earliest fragment, they found a piece of the manuscript that is dated between 90 AD and 120 AD. They believe it's right in that time frame, 90 to 120 AD. And scholars agree that the book of John is the last of the four gospels to be written. The book of John is the last of the four. So coming before that would have been Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right? So the fragment of the book of 
John is dated at 90 AD, which is a copy of a copy of a copy. So we can assume that earlier than that, that Luke and Matthew were written prior to 90 AD. And we know that Luke is a physician. He's, no, he's called the beloved physician in scripture. And the book of Luke is actually the prequel to his second book, which is the book of Acts, written by the same guy. Luke wrote the gospel of Luke, an orderly account of the life and stories of Jesus. And then he writes an orderly account of the early disciples. Now, interesting stuff with the book of Acts. Do you guys know the first half who the book of Acts kind of focuses on? Anyone? Just you can, you can say it out. This is an interactive bit. The first half of the book of Acts, the apostles and Peter. That's right. It's kind of focused on like the birth of the church, the arrival of the Holy Spirit and Peter. Who's the second half about? Paul, right, the Apostle Paul. It follows his journey around. The thing that is interesting about Paul that they kind of leave out is his death. The book was written, and we know that he was, he was beheaded because of his faith in Jesus in 64 AD by Emperor Nero. We believe that he was beheaded by Emperor Nero in 64 AD, and the book of Acts leaves all of that out, which would have been the thing culminating his entire ministry and pointing people like, this is the story. This is like the story of Paul the martyr. But I believe it was written before his death. So we can assume that the book of Luke was written even before 64 AD. Now, we believe, and people just, if you study this out, it's between about 50 and 60 AD that the book of Luke and Matthew was written in that time frame. And we know that the book of Mark was the first of the Gospels, which is believed to be written in about 40 to 50 AD. And Jesus was crucified and risen in 33 AD. So this, this book didn't have hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years to turn into this legend about Jesus. The, the teachings of Scripture, the Gospels were written between 40 and 100 AD by eyewitness accounts or the testimony of eyewitnesses. That this book is, is close to the life of Jesus. It didn't have time to become a legend about some deity that got overblown. Like, this is close to his life by his followers writing about who he is. The Gospels were written between 40 and 100 AD. The New Testament, we have about 5,300 Greek manuscripts, 10,000 Latin translations, and about 9,300 other copies of manuscripts of early documents. Like, this is a huge body of evidence for anything in antiquity. Like, people point to the Bible and look at the Bible. Any historian looking back into history will first turn to the Bible because of the body of evidence there is. I'm just kind of giving a little bit of like, this is some interesting facts about the Bible that I never knew. And I always just kind of trusted that it was the word of God until I didn't. And then I was like, I got to go on some re adventure of researching this. And this stuff is interesting. But again, I don't just believe in this because of the Bible, because there's amazing evidence for it. I believe because I've come to know and love the relationship I have with Jesus, that love that landed on me that day at Parkland, 
the presence of God's spirit did something to me. It changed me. It was an encounter that actually rocked my life. And it's not just because of the Bible. Like, it was his presence. It was his person. And that's who we are following. That's, that's who scripture is all about revealing. In the way that a love letter from Joelle would reveal her heart to me, scripture is God's love letter to us revealing his heart to us. It's a beautiful invitation for us, you guys. Um, I want to I just read for you Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. This is uh, the opening of the book of Hebrews and talking about the Old Testament leading up to Jesus. This is, I believe it's Paul writing here. And he says, going through, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it in the message translation because I just loved how they worded this. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3 says, Going through a long line of prophets, God has been addressing our ancestors in different ways for centuries. Recently, he spoke directly through, direct, spoke to us directly through his son. By his son, God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the son at the end. This son perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. He holds everything together by what he says. Powerful words. That is like, I love that. I I don't know. I just love that. Like he's spoken directly to us through his son. The gospels invite us to know Jesus. And it helps us to actually understand as as we dig into scripture, how God is moving, like his heart, his character, his nature, who he is, not just a presence for a moment in time, but actually like what is his will? What is his intended kind of plan? And as we study and as we look and as we are invited into this relationship, as we open these love letters from God and experience that and enjoy that and just be in that relationship with him, not reading to just get through it. Like imagine if Joel left me a letter, and I'm just like, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, great. It's like, that would just be weird. Like, that's not how you read a love letter. It's like, no, no, what did, Joel, what are you trying to say in here? Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, you'd sit there, and you'd muse on it, right? Same with scripture. Like, we, we muse on it. We take our time with it. We, we don't just, okay, I got through the chapter, verses, verses, verses. Okay, sweet. Done. Bible, check. I can go to work now. It's like, no, you leave it open on your table, just like a letter would be left for you in the morning by your spouse or whoever, and it's left there. And it's like, this is an invitation every day to just be like, oh God, you're in here. I don't even want this Isaiah 30. It's like, oh my gosh. Like, and and he speaks literally. I just opened the other day to Ezekiel, one of the prophets from the old Testament. And he was talking about money and it was like, and it challenged me. And it was like, it was just a loving thing from God. Like Admittedly, I'm kind of getting into cryptocurrency and digging into it a little bit. It's kind of weird. Don't judge me. Um, And I'm like looking into it and I just read this passage and it's like, he's talking about how like buyers and traders and and just being like, don't get so caught up in this. It was just like a little thing in Ezekiel, randomly like bloop, opened to the book of Ezekiel and said this thing and it jumped off the page. I was like, yeah, I cannot get caught up in this. Thank you, God. Thank you for loving me 
and just leaving me this beautiful little letter that just helped me today to just get a right perspective on money. Wow, thank you that you are good. That was just the other day. It was like so cool. But as we, as we dig into it, as we work through the Bible and the stories and we understand it, it actually helps us recognize where God is moving. And do you guys remember the story? Um, and some of you watching online or on the podcast, uh, if, you're, if you're new to faith, you may not know this story, but this is a story when the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost and fills all of these people with God's spirit. And Jesus promises this. He's like, go wait in Jerusalem. I'll send my Holy Spirit and it'll come and fill you guys and you will be witnesses around the world for me. Like you'll witness of who I am. And this Holy Spirit starts filling these people at this meeting, at this, at this gathering. And people are walking around going like, what's going on with these guys? Like, they, are they drunk? Like, they're just like laughing and like so filled with joy, which is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's like one of the effects of the Holy Spirit is that we have joy. And they're like, are these people drunk? And, and Peter stands up and he's like, no, this, they're not drunk. This is what God promised long ago. And then he quotes the prophet Joel. And he quotes a whole passage of the prophet Joel. And he's like, what you're seeing is actually validating what God said would happen. Boom, quotes Joel. They're like, oh, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And then he keeps going. He preaches for a bit. And then he quotes from memory one of the Psalms. And he's just like, and he's just going through like showing them that this experience isn't just some wacky, weird evil thing that, you know, they're not drunk. He's actually points them back to scripture and says, hey, this is what God promised. This is all about him. This is, a, this is true. And Jesus's first interaction, this is what kind of blew my mind in the, in the gospel of Luke. Um, Jesus's first thing that he does when he rolls up on a few of his followers after he's raised from the dead the first thing he does is explain the scriptures to them. Did you guys know that? Like the first people he actually has like a, a decent conversation with. He sees the women at the tomb, addresses them. He goes off from there and he rolls up on these two guys. And I'm going to just read a chunk of this, this passage of scripture. It's a, it's a longer chunk, but it's a cool story. It just kind of like struck me. The other day, as I was reading this, like, wow, Jesus' first thing he was doing at his resurrection wasn't saying, look, I'm raised, I'm awesome, look at me. He's like, look at the scripture, look at what it said would happen, it's true. Like, that's what he did on his first interaction. He says, he rolls up on these two guys, and he, said, he asked them in Luke 24, 17, he asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? He just kind of like rolls up on them, like, Hey guys, what what you doing over here? What are you discussing? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. It's like, do you not know that like this guy was walking around for three years, like healing, literally raising the dead, blind eyes being opened preaching this message of this weird kingdom of God. And he's going around just changing people's life. And he had this huge following, thousands of people coming to his sermons, thousands of people coming out to him because he's love incarnate. He's God in the flesh. And he was preaching that message and they're all following him. And then he got killed, crucified. 
you don't know about that dude? And Jesus is just like, hey, oh, this is going to be awesome. Just like walking with these guys. And I love, I think Jesus kind of said this next part as like, what things? Like encouraging them to elaborate, like, what things are you talking about, you guys? Like he didn't know. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death. They crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago, they said. It's like, we hoped that this would be the Messiah. Like, we thought God was going to send his, like, Messiah to us, but then all this happened. Like, they were confused about who God is, about who Jesus was. There's a confusion there where they're just like, it says it at the beginning, there's sadness written across their face, and they didn't know what was going on. They didn't actually understand Scripture, that it was pointing to him. And Jesus says, um, or he, they, keep, they continue on, they say, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women said. Then Jesus said to them, he's, they're like explaining this whole thing, like, we're sad, we're, we're not sure if he's the Messiah, but then some people said there's an empty tomb. Some of the women ran, like, I don't know what's happening here, man. And Jesus has got his like hood up. He's kind of like walking alongside. They can't really like make out who he is. And he says to them, you foolish people. It's kind of a funny thing from Jesus. You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering into his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets. In other words, the Old Testament, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the scriptures, all of them, the writings of Moses, the prophets, he takes them through it in this walk. He's like, do you guys remember in Genesis when God spoke? And he walks them through Genesis and he walks them through Adam and Eve and he walks them through Leviticus. He walks them through the law of Deuteronomy and the prophets saying, all of that's about that's all about me. He's just like talking to them. And it's like, what, what, how, why didn't we know this, man? And they're sitting there talking. And later on, they, he kind of reveals who he is to them. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's you. Wow, Jesus, what the, wow. He had his hood up. Dude, did you see he has had his hood up the whole time? I didn't even know that was Jesus. But there he is. And then Jesus takes off. He's like, I got to go meet my disciples. See you guys. And he walks out the door. Then Luke 24, 32, they're sitting there chatting and they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Jesus's first thing he did upon resurrection 
in a conversation was to explain scripture to those people and their hearts burned with the truth. It was like, wow, what is happening here? This is insane. And he goes and he finds his, he finds his disciples and he meets them. And it actually says just later in that same chapter, I encourage you to go read Luke 24, same thing. He appears to them, peace be with you. They're all scared. They're hiding out. And he's like, don't be afraid. And then he walks them through the scriptures. All of the things in the prophets and the law had to be fulfilled, he says. And he goes through the whole scripture explaining to them himself. It's all about this relationship. And I feel like some of us, and I don't know how you read the Bible, but I just want to encourage you, like, it's not a textbook. It's not homework. It's a love letter. It's God saying, look at what's in here. It points us to Jesus. This thing is an invitation into his heart. And our heart burns with passion as we see him in the pages, as we, as we recognize him in the stories, as we see him through every book and teaching. And Jesus' one of his harsh critiques about Scripture was to this group of Pharisees. And he, he says, man, you guys look through the Scriptures thinking you're going to find eternal life in a book. Like, you, you look through the Scriptures thinking that they actually contain eternal life, but you fail to come to me and receive it. It's like Jesus invites us to himself through these teachings. It's not homework. It's not a have-to. It's not a, here's how you read your Bible, here's why you read your Bible. It's like, why wouldn't you open it? How could you not in light of that? The God who came to earth and laid down his life because you are of infinite worth to him. Think about that. God who is infinitely worthy, who will be worshipped for eternity, gave his life for you because you're valuable to him. He died for your sin. He died to get that thing off of you and restore you back into the true identity and image he created you for, love. That God who rose from the grave, defeating death and sin, offering us his spirit and his life that is in us. It's that thing that burns inside of us as we read it. It's his life saying, yes, amen to this thing. It's, it's alive in us, his spirit. That God gave his life for you. And he inspired these pages, these love letters. And he invites us into this relationship. It's not, it's not, the, it's not my owner's manual. I, I, I've heard that and I don't... It's all about him. It's not about me. It's all about him. It's not about me. It's about him. It's like if I want to know him, I learn his character and his, his nature and his, his teaching and his life through this book. So I just want to challenge you, and I want to encourage you today that to, to leave your Bible, if you don't have a Bible, if you're curious, if you're checking out faith, if you're watching online and you're curious about this, reach out, we'll give you a Bible. But I, I want to challenge you guys to leave this open on your table. I leave this open on my kitchen table. I used to do that a lot more. It was, now it sits on my coffee table, but it, was, it used to be on my kitchen table. And it would just stay open. And it's like you walk in, imagine, like you walk in and you see a letter. It's like, oh, oh <laughs> he left me a letter. <laughs> Sweet. This is awesome. 
Oh, Isaiah 11, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. God, I thank you that you are so wise, that you are so knowledgeable. God, I revere you. I respect you. Thank you for this relationship. Thank you for this letter. Next day, it's whatever. It's like you, we could do that every single day, and it never gets old in that perspective. It never gets old. So I want to challenge you to do that. Next week, Frank is going to give a message, and we're going to just move through this series over the next few weeks, and it's really just an invitation into the Word of God, that this thing is exciting. It actually brings unity to this group of believers, to the followers of Jesus, that if we get in there and we're unified, not around our knowledge, but around the love that is inside of these letters, it brings a unity to this whole church and this group that is unlike anything we will see in the world, is unified around a person. His name is Jesus. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, I just uh, I thank you for today. And I just thank you that uh, every day, God, you invite us to know your love. Jesus, we just uh, we thank you that you know us, God. You know us. Your thoughts for us outnumber the sands on the sea. Thank you for that, God. You are thinking of us all of the time and how to speak to us. God, I thank you that the Bible is an invitation to know what you think about us and that it's not a condemning, heavy word that you just thump us with this Bible. God, I thank you that you invite us into a love letter to know your heart, to have intimacy and connection to you. And I thank you for the way that that transforms our life, God. And I just pray for every person here that they would go home and they would open the word of God and leave it on their table as a love letter to themselves from you. I thank you for that picture, God. I thank you for that, that, uh, that analogy, that we would just be invited deeper into your love. Thank you that that builds us up, that that makes us who we are supposed to be. Thank you that we are created for love. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. I just pray for everyone's Sunday as they go from here, that they would just take a, a moment today and just reflect on your love, God, and just the way that you have uh, moved in their life. And I just thank you for just meeting people today. Thank you for encouraging people today. I thank you for bringing a, a, just a moment of healing to people today. I thank you for a moment of forgiveness in people's heart towards those who have misused this Bible who have used it like a brick and hurt them with it. God, I thank you for those moments where you are just healing people's perspective around your word and that you are inviting them into your heart, God. You're wrapping your arms around them as they open these pages. God, I just thank you for that. Thank you, Jesus. Be with these people in Jesus' name.